I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Hi, this is Kirk Jowers filling in for Inside Sources today, and I am glad to have the speaker, former speaker, Greg Hughes, in studio with me. Thank you so much to, for being here. I'm happy to be here, Kirk. Thanks. I'll, I have a bunch of topics to talk about with you, but one has become incredibly relevant in that opioids are in the news again today with the big judgment, $572 million in Oklahoma against Johnson & Johnson. You have been about the most outspoken critic of, of these opioid manufacturers and some of the tactics they've used. You were quoted in 2017 as saying, quote, what are we waiting for? The state of Utah should be aggressively prosecuting these bad players. I'm tired of the talk of potential settlements. I'm not interested in hush money, unquote. So, Mr. Speaker, what is Utah doing and what should Utah be doing on this front? And does the Oklahoma victory, at least temporary, is going to be appealed, of course, but is this, does this initial victory change anything? Well, it, 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 it points to what I believe was always going to be the case. I don't think that there's a leg that these manufacturers that have – created these opioids and just made them so pervasive across the United States, I don't think they have a leg to stand on. I think it's been well documented that the information uh, that was provided to doctors, physicians, and patients that they were not addictive uh, have been clearly proven to be wrong. Uh, The carnage that's been created because of the pervasiveness of opioids in this country has just been – it's just sickening what's happened. And so I thought that if anyone were to – have to get discovery and actually go to court. Forget settlements. I mean, in that Oklahoma case, you had uh, a number of pharmaceutical companies that settled. Mm-hmm. I think the largest settlement was two hundred and something million dollars that they settled with the with the state of Oklahoma. Johnson and Johnson wanted to go to the mat. They wanted to, and that's what I think that that every county in the United States should do. That's in twenty seventeen. I went to a, a Utah Association of Counties meeting to encourage all our counties to litigate and go after these pharmaceutical companies. And I know that our attorney general is looking at a – there's a global – there's a more a larger are, case. are any of our – just to stop you real quick, are any of the counties taking your advice? Absolutely. So after that that conference, we saw, uh, we saw Utah County step forward. We saw uh, Salt Lake County step forward. We saw some of our rural counties that have been just ravaged. You think about a small population and what these addictive drugs are just – as powerful as they are, how they have just ripped through our communities, regardless of where in the state of Utah, but in the our rural areas, it can that ripple effect is even greater. Yeah. Um, and so we have had counties that have engaged, and I, I believe I had a so when I was speaker and I started talking like this. 
right. it certainly caught some attention nationally. And I had these pharmaceutical uh, lobbyists that were flown in that needed to sit down and kind of tell me where I had seen the world wrong. And um, it was an interesting exchange with this one particular lobbyist, a national guy. And he just rattled off the top of his head that this respective county in Colorado had just uh, filed suit. And that it was such a – it shouldn't happen that we should all be more efficient and just do this global suit that's in Ohio. And and it – I told him very bluntly that the fact that he knew that that little county in Colorado had filed suit means it may, it matters to them. Yeah. And so that, oh, I'm sure it and does. I told him, the ripple effect is absolutely and it, look, for that. I, uh, I was just very blunt about it and said I just think that the weight – of every county, not just not just the 29 counties in Utah, but of every county in this country and its respective states were to litigate, I think that they'd stop making them. I just don't think the liability would be yeah. uh, manageable at that point. The, my, I love the, the verdict yesterday. My worry is that they were seeking in the billions uh, and uh, it was reduced to, which is not a small number, 572 million or something like that. And that's just one state. Right. But um, their stock went up. Johnson yeah. Johnson stock went up after the announcement. So they said, okay, we can compartmentalize that. We can, because there's, there's, they set aside money for things like this and it looks like something they can get through and they're going to appeal it. But I, it I reminds me back, in, and this is my historical thing, but I've always been fascinated with uh, Rockefeller and Standard Oil and the richest man on earth. One, one uh, report had him with an, uh, a net worth of one third. Of the U.S. GDP, like we talk about how rich Bezos is and stuff, but they're yeah. way less than you know a tenth of one percent or whatever, even with their their hundreds of billions. But um, but it was it was through this exact process that you're talking about is county by county, state by state, they started hitting this behemoth, and of course Teddy Roosevelt did uh, did his job yeah. as, as a Republican president, um, and it seems like you're right if if you're really going to, to tame these guys it it can't just be one or two but i also cut you off because i want to get to this within the state of utah um who and not necessarily individual people but but what offices have have the roles that could really make a difference with these opioid manufacturers so certainly our attorney general's office uh they they are they are looking at the state of utah's role in terms of litigating and creating accountability uh for this uh, and, and litigating. And like I said, there's a global uh, case that's in, out of Ohio. Uh, again, I, I'm not looking for efficiencies. I, yeah. One of the arguments has been that, and I'm not an attorney though, so I could be easily wrong on this course, but I'm told that, you know, if you have a case in some other state, it's going to get sent to the Ohio case anyway, and that there's a lot of wasted time and you want to be up closer to the front of the line. I don't know. I think the Oklahoma uh, judge's verdict matters. I don't, it's not, that's not the one from Ohio. I, our attorney general absolutely has a has a role and and is fulfilling that and pursuing this. But I I will tell you that we have counties and I think it's it might be as many as twenty Kirk now that have counties that have oh, gone wow. to seek uh, accountability to these companies. That's a good thing. These county attorneys, these the, whatever the if it by a county commission or county council, they need to engage in this because the the cost and the Really, the carnage that that these counties have, and counties are the deliver they deliver health and human services uh, to yeah. people in communities, and so they're feeling this in a in a terrible way. You'll never get it back. I don't care what the uh, what the settlement amount is. What we really want is the discovery. We want to know that they knew, yeah. and I believe it's absolutely the case that they knew that what they were doing 
uh, was as potent as heroin, was as detrimental to people. You could follow that prescription label's uh, directions to a T, not abuse it, follow it to a T, and within six calendar days, you could find yourself physically addicted. Huh. And that is the scariest thing. That is terrifying. Uh, and, and so – you know, I just think that we have to have uh, those county attorneys, those county governments, all of them. They all need to start doing this and because I want the guy – I imagine in my mind you have a pharmaceutical company that's been making – printing money on these opioids. Somebody in middle management does the math on how many lawsuits they're facing and they just take the, the elevator to the <laughs> top floor and they say, um, ma'am or sir – uh, we're not going to survive this. This yeah. isn't coming. We're right. not. We didn't set aside enough for the weight <laughs> of what's what is upon us now. That's the conversation that has to happen. And until it happens, my fear is that through the banner of pain management, um, people can still peddle these drugs, and they're 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 fatal. And I could talk about this forever. We don't have enough time, unfortunately. When I ruptured my Achilles, they gave me eight of these big monster pills and said, you've got to take these every three hours. You know, you got to stay on top of it. And I, I elected not to use any of them, um, used other, uh, other means. And, um, but partly because I had, you know, I've worked, I had worked with John McCain since 1996. I saw what his wife went through. Um, and, and we all know people who have, who have suffered from this. Yeah. And so I, I didn't dare get close. So I'm just, I'm going to take some pain before, uh, I got to give you a little pain though. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but before and I'm opioid free for this, Kirk, I'm not, I don't have any, <laughs> oh, I'm not ready for this pain you're about to. <laughs> well, first I, I just had uh, representative Ben McAdams and I don't know if this will destroy your opportunity to even run for the thing I'm going to ask you for, but he says you're a great guy and he says you got a lot done on, We've always worried about our street cred and- <laughs> saying that about each other. We always think this is our, you know, this is our Achilles heel if we say nice things about one another. And if we had more time, I'd like to ask you more about uh, everything you've done with uh, the homeless research centers, the Operation Rio Grande. I don't have that time right now. I've got to get you back. But I want to ask, I keep hearing your name for Governor 2020. Um, at the moment, it's officially a pretty empty field. It's Spencer Cox. There are a, a number of very prominent people. I've had... Spencer Eccles and Greg Miller on with me yeah. who have talked about it. And, uh, of course, we talk, hear a lot about John Huntsman and some other guys who are working hard. So what what can you tell us? Are you going to join this field? Are you, you going to run? I, I have loved public service. I'm, I'm, I'm in the cheap seats now. I'm sitting in the – you know, I'm out there in the rafters watching it all go, and it was it's, it's a, a different place. place. I, I don't – actually, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, I it's a it's – a, but – I will tell you this. I've loved public service. I love public policy. I, I, I love it more than my day job, you know, with my business partner and what I do uh, for a living. But I, I, I feel that uh, there's a lot we worked on, uh, whether it was Operation Rio Grande and, and trying to – there is a state role there and one that I thought that we could do a better job as a state. And there's a lot of good things I think we were able to do. Job's not done, but we were able to do. Yeah. The opioids was another one that a lot of times when you're a public servant, things come at you. You don't plan for those things. I think there's something I could contribute, if only making sure that the issues of a growing state and a growing economy and the infrastructure and the uh, all the things that that the people of this state depend to see themselves, their businesses, where what's, they work or what timing? they do, what's, be successful. Uh, is there any, I'm not in anything a, uh, that any – whether it's timing is the answer or are there any – 
specific things that could happen, whether it's a huntsman something or a, a whatever. Yeah, that you know, would, I've would I've looked at the you. field. It is it is a deep pool, and I think that's good for the state of Utah. I think that that this state will win the more uh, people get involved that have a, a well of experience and and uh, measurables. I I'm not their their decisions will not dictate mine. I'm a little guy. I'm not independently wealthy. I have to have a long enough runway to know that I can raise the money yeah. and that I can run. I mean, you could be the best candidate in the world. You could have the best case to make, but if no one's heard it, you won't have a chance. And so right. you got to go do the math and the math will tell you what it would cost to, to get your message out effectively. And so that's what I'm working on. I'm working to make sure that if we go all in and we do this, we're going to have a way to have our message heard. So I, it's, it's, it's further down in the fall probably. Greg, thank you so much for being in studio with me today. Great to see you. We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.